Section 33 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 33. The Pictures of Philostratus, Part 10. 3. The Birth of Minerva. You here behold all the gods and goddesses assembled on Olympus. The nymphs of the rivers, too, have come. All look in amazement at the armed Pallas, who has just sprung from the head of Jupiter. Vulcan, who has ministered his aid, seems by his attitude to wish to gain the favour of the goddess. The hammer in his hand, glancing with rainbow colours. Jupiter sighs with pleasure, like one who has undertaken a great labour, for the sake of a great advantage. Proud of such a daughter, he regards her with attention. Juno, too, free from jealousy, looks at her with kindness, as if she were her own child. Below, in the distance, the Athenians and Rhodians are represented on two high citadels, one on the mainland, the other on an island, bringing offerings to the newborn goddess. The right of the Rhodians is imperfect, there being no fire, but the Athenians bring fire in order due. The smoke simmers as it rises, as if bearing upwards a sweet savour. On this account the goddess turns towards them, as deeming them the wisest. But Jupiter considers the Rhodians, that they were the first to recognise his daughter, and it is said he poured down a great cloud of gold over their houses and streets. This is why Plutus, descending from the clouds, hovers above these roofs, to indicate the precious material that he scatters. The Birth of Bacchus A broad cloud of fire hangs over the city of Thebes. Mighty thunders and lightnings surround the palace of Cadmus. Zeus has completed his fatal visit to Semele. She is destroyed, and Dionysus is born, out of the midst of the flames. A dark shadow, bearing her likeness, ascends towards heaven. The infant god springs forth from the fire, glittering like a star. He pales its glow. That beside him seems dull and dark. The flame divides in strange fashion and assumes the shape of a pleasant grotto. Round about it grows the ivy, with its clusters of berries. The vine springs willing from the earth and twines around the thyrsus rod. Wonder not that it springs up among the flames, for it is the will of the god that miracle should accompany each circumstance. Mark, too, where Pan, on the mountain summit of Citeron, pays devotion to Dionysus, dancing and leaping, the word everway on his lips. But Citeron, under a human shape, bodes impending misfortune. An ivory crown lies loosely on his head, as if about to fall. He will not wear the crown in honour of Dionysus, for wild Megara plants a pine tree close beside him, and a spring leaps out there where the blood of Pentheus shall flow. THE BIRTH OF HERMES On the summit of Olympus the rogue Hermes is born. The seasons receive him. You see them painted each in her proper beauty. They envelop him in swathes and swaddling clothes, 
strewed with the rarest flowers. The mother lies near upon a couch. But lo, he has secretly slipped out of his wrappings and trips gaily down Olympus. The mountain smiles on him for joy. The boy has already driven the white, golden-horned cows that he found feeding at the foot, the cows of Phoebus, into a cave. Phoebus posts away to Maya to complain of the theft. She looks at him in amazement and seems not to believe him. While this passes, Hermes slips in behind Phoebus. He jumps up softly and loosens Apollo's bow. But when Phoebus discovers the cunning little thief, his visage brightens. The expression of this transition from dissatisfaction to pleasure does great honour to the sagacity and ability of the artist. End of section 33 Recording by Florence